Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Inventing Anna, the official podcast, is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Welcome to Inventing Anna, the official podcast, your exclusive look inside the making of the Shondaland series on Netflix. I'm your host, Stacey Wilson-Hunt, and today I'm chatting with celebrity fitness trainer Casey Duke, who you probably know as the character played by Laverne Cox in the series. Casey has spent decades getting Hollywood stars like Denzel Washington and Dakota Johnson in fighting form for the big screen. But she never could have imagined that she'd be a key figure in one of the craziest stories ever told. Casey and I chat about what it was like to train Anna Delvey, how it felt to witness her ensuing meltdown, and how seeing this saga play out on screen has only reinforced how important it is to stand in her power. Hello, Casey. It's so nice to meet you. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for inviting me in. I'm excited. Of course, you are so central to this story. But before we talk about Anna Delvey, I'd actually love to talk about you and your life. You've led a very interesting life. You're a very accomplished person, a native New Yorker. I'd love to know more about how and where you grew up. I am definitely a native New Yorker. I grew up in Brooklyn. Ah, what part of Brooklyn? Well, you know, it's the, the Fort Greene into Park Slope. Brooklyn Heights area because it was, ah. I mean, Fort Greene Park was like my playground. I used to live in Park Slope. I love that area. You know, I have a lot of dolls buried in Fort Greene Park. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of dolls. If we see little plastic hands sticking up from the dirt, we shouldn't be scared. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. So you were there before all the hipsters came in and, you know, jacked up the housing prices. Oh, yeah. We were, we were there for, for many more years before that. When I was married to my first husband, we lived in Douglas and Queens, where I had my first workout studio. Oh, wow. And then, you know, to Manhattan. And I've been a, a big Apple girl for many years. And I love this city. <laughs> love it. You know, you want to slap it sometimes, but it just gives you such good energy that it just keeps you on your toes, you know? I'd love to know how you got into the training business. Were you an athlete as a young person? How did this line of work yeah. come into your life? Well, if we had to give a picture of Casey Duke the early years, I would say that I was doing track and field in school and then dance class after school. Oh, wow. The way that I see it is that the melding of those two, they gave me this edge because the way that I train is very, it's, it's very graceful. 
yet it has the athleticism of the track and field and the grace of the dance. And so mm. I just used those two things because I started out thinking I was going to be a dancer and it just didn't work out for me. <laughs> it t- would take too long to get a solo, number one. It wasn't good enough, but I tried and everybody, they smoked and they drank. It was like dancers were not as healthy as I thought. So I think that it was a um, transition for me to go into something that I can still have movement and I can still be athletic into a class. And I think that's what really put me on the map is my aerobics classes, my group fitness classes. That was the turning point for me. I love that. And, you know, then I decided I wanted to do personal training because I really wanted to do, I want to go for the anatomy of movement. I wanted to really go in a way where I can manipulate muscle fibers and design a body. And that's what I did. I can knock myself up with a feather because I don't really know how it all came together, but it was obviously... (laughs) you know, the universe doing its thing. (laughs) Well, you know, I think we see with every successful person, hard work ultimately leads to success. Yeah. It may take time, but if you stick to your truth and how to have confidence in who you are and what you do, it'll all work out. And I would love to know more about what I would call your holistic approach to training. You aren't just forcing people to do burpees. You're having them do the burpees, but you're also having them reflect on their emotional state. I was saying when I first started incorporating mindfulness into my movement, you know, some of the the editors would say, well, is it like yoga? I said, no, it's not yoga. I said, you know, it's emotional, spiritual and physical. And I didn't mean spiritual as a religion. I just meant how to become your own life's motivation. And they said, well, can you get a tight ass from it? And I was like, absolutely, (laughs) because everybody wants a tight ass. (laughs) So I said, sure you can. Let me show you how. The first thing is that I always say it's mindset, motivation, and movement. The mindset, motivation, and movement seemed to like really click with people because it was like, you know, admit where you're coming from, admit what you need to change. And love yourself in your current form, no matter how flawed that might be. And then we can go about changing it. Right. You have to be honest with yourself at this point. And that's the mindset. And then the motivation is finding people to help you. Because sometimes it's hard to do it alone. That's right. And then the movement is the last part. People go on and off their track because they're always coming from a physical place. I want to look like this. I want to look like this. But when you work on you strengthening that first component, the mindset... And then you go to the next one is how do I motivate myself so I can stay on this course? The movement, it's going to happen. It's going to come. It's going to be everything you need it to be. And you're going to stay with it longer. Not saying that you're not going to go off sometimes because we all do. We all, you know, go off the road. I just say, don't build a house there. (laughs) That is so well put. Let's shift gears a little bit to when you first found out that Shondaland was going to be making the series. Firstly, what did you think about that? And tell me about meeting Laverne knowing that this person who's this incredible actor, this incredible activist who brings so much soulfulness to her own work was going to be playing you in this show. (laughs) I mean, just talking to Shonda and just, you know, meeting her and having the Zoom in her war room with, I mean, this long table with these, I don't know how many writers and, you know, showrunners or whatever they were. I was just like, oh, I can't believe this. You're a little starstruck. That's okay. Yeah, of course. I mean, who wouldn't be? That was an amazing experience. And I tell my son about that all the time. I said, I'm saying this to you so you could tell my grandkids and explain this to them because they need to remember this moment. Was it cathartic for you to be able to share 
your intel and your emotional journey with people who were going to be able to respect what you were telling them and also use it in a way that wasn't exploitive? Absolutely. It's not the prettiest story. Maybe people will think that we were all like, well, why were we taken? Why were we, why do we do it? You know, this is our journey. And to be able to talk about it, it's better than a therapist <laughs> to enter, to like right. get it out and know that the world has seen a part of me. I'm not losing. I'm not a- allowing Anna to make me change my view of trusting people, of seeing the greatness in people, of wanting to help people. If anything, she revved that up. Hmm. Right. You didn't want this experience to make you reluctant to help people in the future. Yeah. And I appreciate Shonda giving me this opportunity and Jessica, and then we can get to Laverne. Right. So tell me about your first conversation with Laverne. What did you talk about? What fears did you share with her? What did she say to allay any concerns that you may have had for how she was going to take on this journey of playing you in the show? Well, you know what? When we met, we decided that well, let me train you first. Let me just show you what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and what was her experience? She was fired up. She was like, I can't move, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Laverne's on, in good shape, too, by the way. Yeah. This isn't her first time working she out. She said, I'm in shape, but wait a minute, you know? And, and that's the difference. People are used to doing that same thing. And when you inject something else into your training program, you're always going to be feeling it. And like she watched me train and she and I trained her and I showed her different exercises and she was watching everything. And then I said, I would love to take you to lunch, you know, and we can talk. We did a four hour lunch and I said, I'm going to tell you my life story. I'm going to tell you everything. And can I ask you anything? And she said, absolutely. And I told her things that I really don't talk about so that she'll understand the depth of me. Mm, I love that. You know, because I'm I'm more than a pair of thighs. I'm more than a, a ass or an arm, you know. I'm a heart and a mind and a spirit. And I, I really want her to understand that. And she did. I'm so sorry. Oh, don't apologize. But I think about what I told her years later, you know. I mean, after two marriages, one great, one second one, horrible. And... What my son had to see and what I'm proud of, how I didn't hide things from him because I wanted him to see this is who you will never be. Mommy's going to be fine, but I need you to see this so that you do not think that this is what you want to be. I'm giving you the real truth of this. And I took chances with that. And I had to tell us that this is who I am. So when I'm helping someone, I've got a lot of stuff that I know what it is to, to struggle. After what I've been through in my lifetime, getting my ass kicked enough times from someone, no, no more. And I needed her to know that there's energy out there that you can that you can get on a trajectory of. I always say, look at yourself and find that some wonderful moment that happened to you, some amazing moment. Like I, everyone, I won a contest when I was like 10 years old. And my parents were like, I can't believe she won. I can't believe she won. You know, I was like, because I got personality. And I remember that moment or when I first got my first TV show and I did something. It's like that lives in me. And whenever I get, I feel like I'm getting off, I go back and I get those, I get that energy and I get that energy. Right. Hmm. So everything that I've been through, it becomes my radar or it becomes my energy. That ex-husband that did that, he is in my mind's eye, he has a dunce hat on sitting in a corner it is back to me. And when I want to feel like and remember the bad bitch that I am, I say, turn around. I say, thank you. 
because you taught me everything I never would ha- ever, ever, ever have in a man ever again. I would choose better. Hmm. And I needed her to know these things because that's what makes me, me understand someone else's plight. I can see nobody's perfect. What's perfection? What's perfection but one's perception? So how I see you and perceive you, I'm going to look for the greatness in you first. I'm not going to be the victim and let the past hold me back. It is what makes me who I am. And she listened to me. And she let me ask questions about her. I asked her, how does it feel to be the woman you always wanted to be? She was freaking amazing. It was a good, a really great talk. And I really needed, needed her to know so she can build from that too. Right. And first, I just want to say thank you for sharing that. I know it's not an easy thing to talk about. And then secondly, what a gift to give an actor to really take that person inside your soul and explain how that is informing your approach to teaching people how to be fit, to feel better. I'm just so happy that Shonda chose her. And I'm just happy to be in this historical moment. Okay, there's much more to the story coming up right after this. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Inventing Anna, the official podcast. Now we're going back around five years when you first met Anna. Mm -hmm. And you probably couldn't have worked with someone so counter to your own personality. (laughs) These concepts you've described were so foreign. The idea of being open and laying bare her fears and her hesitations about herself. Tell me about First of all, what your career was like at that point, who your clients were around that time. Okay. And again, bring us back to that first meeting with Anna. Well, you know, the thing with Anna is that she wasn't like a lot of women that would come to me. At first glance, you know, they come in and they all want someone else's body. So they, they want the cosmetic transformation. Yes, that's what they're focusing on. And Anna was no different than any other young woman. So she didn't come in saying, I said, wow, she's crazy. You know, she was a, a young woman that was full of ambition. She knew what she wanted. I think she said that she 
loved the idea that she heard that I was training Dakota Johnson. She was kind of like drawn to me because of that, you know. Was this before after Fifty Shades? Were you getting Dakota in shape for Fifty Shades or was this after? For this, the second, second and third one. Okay. But at the same time, I had left to go to Russia <laughs> to do a press thing with Kate Beckinsale. So oh, wow. she was in the midst of a lot, you know, me traveling. And a lot of people, they love the idea of being with like a celebrity trainer. Like, give me a break. Well, especially Anna. Yeah, especially Anna. <laughs> but she was she wasn't really rude, you know, in the beginning. She really wasn't rude to me. She was rude to people around her. <laughs> Even in the gym, she was a little rude. Do you think that she saw in you more of a mentor figure than than she was used to being around? Because you really did bring this energy into her life that it seems, and I'm not an expert, that she didn't really have from anyone else. Is that true? I think so. I would I would hope so because she I think she wasn't expecting me to approach her in this way because when she was we were working out, I was like, okay, we need to work on a couple of things. I said, you need to pull your navel towards your spine. That is your creative center. Hmm. I said, you go in front of these people who you want money from. And she was saying that she's having these meetings. You have to go in there with confidence. Don't sink into your body. Pull up. Pull up. How you do this is how you do everything. Full acid or half acid, your choice. And done. Beautiful. And we talked about the whole, my whole, you know, bad bitch philosophy is like, it's not about you being mean to anyone. It's more of like you walking in your power and it helps your posture. And she was very open to that. So there were elements that she didn't do anything that most young women or most people don't do. Instead of just saying, you know, Casey, this is really hard. I need a break for a minute. She was more like, oh, my phone, I need to check something. You can do this. Pain is weakness leaving the body. Anna, off your phone. Experience the beauty of this moment. When is it over? 15 seconds. Keep going. Every rep counts. Every rep. You know, Anna just had a, a tick of sorts. It was almost like someone was like holding a mirror and watching their every move. Mm, that's interesting. So everything was like, even when she was working out, she was like, am I doing this? Is anybody watching me? You know what I'm saying? She was, I think, working on who she was becoming. Right. But she was very nice. She didn't She didn't mess with me because I put her in a place really quickly. And she really liked me. She liked hanging out with me. But I And I really liked her. I wanted her to succeed. That's why I introduced her to some people that I thought that she would, because she had no friends. You know, she's living in a hotel. Right. And you are a parent in real life. And a grandma. <laughs> and a grandma, which is so impressive. If people could just see the way you look right now, you are so glam and so fit and so youthful looking. It's really quite absurd. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I do. I'm a glamour girl, that's for sure. <laughs> we do have that in common with Vern and I. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something sort of sweet in the idea that maybe she was getting a maternal energy from you that she really needed. Whether or not you were consciously giving that energy to her, it seems from what I've read in the story and obviously watching this in the series that there was some level of comfort that you provided to her. Were you aware of that interaction? Um, yes, because I would say, I, I want you to succeed. And I told her, I said, you know, I have a son your age, you know, I mean, this, I said, you're doing great things. Hmm. I want you them to take you seriously because she would always say, they're not taking me serious. The meeting is canceled. There was always something about someone doing something to her with this thing. And I don't know what I'm going to do. But I always just said, you know what? Take it easy, you know? go here and just relax or something. So I did have, I did take her under my wing a bit and she had a 
doggone great idea. And I was happy that she just wasn't just, you know, wasting it on some other nonsense. She was really, I know girls would just, all they want to do is just shop. Not that she didn't. Right. (laughs) She really had wanted to do something. And I bought into it because that's what I saw. But you're also an entrepreneur yourself. You appreciated that this woman was taking control of her life, starting her own business. What's not to like about that? Exactly. And it reminded me of me when I, you know, my my parents always say, you are a degree. Why don't you just do something else? Well, it's just like fitness stuff. And it's like, I'm so happy that I didn't listen to them. And they're so happy that I didn't listen to them. (laughs) That's why I raised my son. Do you. Don't play it safe. Jump and let the net appear. Hmm. really go for your dreams. Even if you fail, you'll learn something from that failure. Think big, dream big. And that's what I really saw in Anna. She was dreaming big. I didn't mean for her to just go out there and steal from people and rip people (laughs) off. Right. There's dreaming big and then there's within the confines of the law. Yeah, there's the law. (laughs) Let's see. A word that has come up in a lot of these interviews with the real life folks, but also the actors who have worked in the show, is this term of shapeshifter Mm. and how Anna herself was sort of depending on whom she was with. She was changing that version of herself to either suit the situation or suit the person. What version of Anna do you think you experienced? I think it was the vulnerable Anna. And I think it was the Anna that needed a, a confidant. I think she needed someone who was like a mother. Maybe mother's not the right word, but someone that she could lean on, that she can trust, that she knew was solid. My trust allowance doesn't come until the first in the business. They don't take me seriously just because of my age. And it's, it's okay, all okay, so listen. stupid. I know you're all about Miss Independent, Independent Woman, but a lot has happened to you. You were mugged. <laughs> Have you called your parents? My parents, they don't understand me. They don't have to understand you. They're your parents. They love you. She knew I had, you know, kids and grandkids. She knew that I had a home. She knew that I like to eat healthy. She knew that I would always say, like, what are you eating tonight? Where are you going tonight? Or what do you know? I said, but, you know, you got to get up early tomorrow. Don't go crazy. You know, <laughs> someone that really was interested in, like, she would call. She says, Casey, I'm having a moment. You have the time to talk. And she might just rattle on. But I think she just needed someone that was a more mature figure in her life but at the same time was super cool and could have a glass of rosé with her and invite her to a dinner party and she would feel comfortable. And I always said, Anna, you're an old soul. And you're also one of the few people in her life who she perceived didn't want something from her. Yeah, You were solid in your career. You were solid in who you were. You didn't need anything from her. And maybe there was a comfort in that. I think so. Yeah. I remember the first time she came over, when she came over for the dinner party that I, you know, I gave so she could meet some interesting people, artists and directors. And she bought a bottle of Dom Perignon. And I thought that I was like, this is too wow. much. <laughs> like, well, she said, oh, no, I have the, so many bottles of this. It's okay. It's like, he's like, I've got bottles of it. <laughs> How's my Anna? <laughs> That's pretty good. I have to say that. <laughs> bottles of it. But I was thinking, girl, you don't have to spend this money. I have tons of wine. This is a lot. She said, this is your birthday. It's your birthday coming up. You know, it's so. Um, she wanted to impress you, it sounds like. She did. And and I mean, I always tell the story about how she said to me one day, she says, Casey, you have great hands. Your your hands are really nice. Your nails are just so weak. You need to have this nail polish. It's time for a nail polish. And I was like, and I don't really wear a lot of nails because I work with weights. And she says, no, but this is a neutral. This is great for you. And she was right. <laughs> she did give you some long-lasting advice then about oh, your nails. Yeah, it was, you know, 
I'd love to talk now about your first meeting with Jessica Pressler, who did such a fantastic job reporting this circus of a story, right? And obviously, you were very close to her. You gave her all this great intel. But then also, tell me about your ultimate decision to pull your name from the article. You know, I think it started with when Rachel did an article. And I didn't know about it. And then all of a sudden, somebody's calling me from somebody to fact check something. I said, what? And and just to refresh people's memories, Rachel wrote a first-person piece for Vanity Fair about Anna. Yes. And so in that piece, you were referenced, and thus the fact-checker called you. Yes. And I said, you cannot use my name. Okay. I said, no, no way. It just felt very sleazy to me, and I didn't want to any my clients to feel like that was in the midst of some craziness. And I was just protecting myself and my brand. I told Rachel we should contact Anna's parents. We could find them online or something. So you spoke to Anna's parents? No. Rachel said she wanted to think about it. And then I see her article today. If she would have told me that she was going to do this to try to reap the money back from, you know, what she lost, maybe I would have said, okay, how are you going to do this? Okay, well, well, she did rip you off. I can't, that I cannot, you know, deny. So I think that with Jessica, it was just too much because I was like, whoa, another one? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Casey, I need your story. I am done with Anna Delphi and her chaos. Please. And I was afraid that it was going to show me in a bad light, you know, because there's a part of me that's saying that, did I create this person with, you know, being a graceful gangster? <laughs> did I create this person <laughs> with being a bad bitch? Was this sort of like a Frankenstein thing where you empowered her so much, right? Yeah, it just comes crashing down like, whoa, this person is not who you thought she was. This woman is like in the news as a <laughs> a psycho. Right. And here this person is, is calling me. And then I actually, I think I said to Jessica, that's not me. And she said, Casey, we know this is you. So you tried to get out of it. <laughs> See, I okay. tried to get out of it so many times. People were asking me, Casey, this sounds like you. This sounds like you. And I was like, no, no, no. So I denied it. It's the problem of being so good at your job and people knew you in those circles that you couldn't deny who you were. Yeah, and they were saying things, they were saying, I think she said something about an Oprah Winfrey vibe with a a young Angela Bassett body. And I was like, oh, that sounds kind of (laughs) cute. I have the quote right here that actually ends up in Jessica's piece, a spelt, ageless, Oprah-esque figure who also works with celebrities like Dakota Johnson. So firstly, I want to know, how did it feel to even be in the same sentence as Oprah. It was pretty amazing. I was like, wow. (laughs) I said, okay, Jessica, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Then you forgave her a little bit, right? Yeah, that was like, wow, because she didn't, I didn't allow her to use my name. And so, wow, does she really, I was like, thank you. And that's what journalists do. If, If someone says, don't use my name, we have to honor that. And that's what's so important about that process. Absolutely. And, and she was very, she was very gracious to me. I mean, we sat down and we talked and she was very understanding. She understood why I was reluctant. And I was finding out a lot of stuff at that time and Rachel and this. It was like, wow. It's a lot of head spinning, probably processing time for you. And you also do think about, like, why did this happen to me? What drew her to why did What did I do to invite this into my life? Yeah. Right. And then at the end of the day, it's like, this is someone's child who needed some help. And I have no regrets, except that she didn't use her very clever brain to do better. Right. 
So I want to go back to the article, two references that I think were, at least as a reader and also someone who has seen the show, seem like milestone events for you in terms of your relationship with Anna. The aftermath of the Morocco trip. Yeah. Where we really started to see you as a character and also as a figure in the story, having conflicted feelings about abandoning this person who you sense was in need, but also having to protect yourself from that drama. That must have been a difficult balance. Oh, my goodness. You know, that's the part, you know, when I was watching, it was hard to watch. I watched that piece last Mm. because it would trigger, you know. The whole Morocco episode was triggering for you. It was triggering for me because we all ate the same exact food. I didn't understand. Like, I thought I had Ebola. I was so sick. I was looking, my ribs were showing. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to get home. It was horrible. And before that, it was a nice time, but Anna was still going through. She was crying in her room. And I, I like, what's wrong, Anna? And I was like, oh, God, I'm missing all this great sun. What the heck? <laughs> You're like, I came here all the way for this. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, man. And then Rachel is like, you know, babying her and like, oh, well, when, you know, and I was like, oh, these two bitches need to relax. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I have a boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate example of, uh, I remember my parents saying, I need a vacation from this vacation. Yeah, right? really. <laughs> and I definitely needed a vacation from that vacation. I'm in this beautiful place that I've always dreamt of going. And it was magical. And that was exactly the place we stayed. That was, I mean, I saw my wow. bedroom and my suite over there. I was like, this is, they did a great job. That must have felt surreal. <laughs> oh my goodness. But it was, you know, this was like a job for me because she's been doing this documentary and we're going to get her doing all tennis and working out and showing her healthy and, and that she's going for it. But it's just so wild that when I it was so sick and I had to leave and I said, can you please, can you give me my return ticket? Because I, I, I have to leave. I am Look at me. So she said, well, we don't have return tickets yet. And I was like, what? And so I was like, Ugh. and I said, here, take my credit card, please. Just get me a flight, please, please, Rachel. And she was nice enough to do that for me. And just going out and just walking down, when the, when the security guard said, you know, where are you going? I thought they were saying, you're so sick. Where are you going? You thought they were worried about you. Yeah. Right? And so you look back on all of that and you know what's going on. It's like, wow. Did you get the vacation the universe might you to have? Wow, I was taken out of a situation that I really could have been caught up in. And I know that I've been like, okay, let's make this work. Here's credit cards. Here's this. And it was like, universe said, this is not your story. Here you go. Get sick a little bit. You'll be all right, boo, in a minute. Just get home. A bit of a blessing, right? Yes. To this day, I know that this was divine intervention. Wow. And I want to talk about one other milestone moment in the article. This is after the trip, sort of the aftermath continues where Anna is showing up at your building. She's very broken down. She's sort of hysterical. And she is threatening to hurt herself. Yeah. I just, I guess, um, a little afraid to be alone tonight. She knew how that would affect me throwing suicide around like that. For me, as a reader, and also, again, watching the show, this is where it gets scary and coercive and really worrying. Take me back to how you felt, aside from being so annoyed with her at this point, what was your emotional state? 
Wow. This is a hard one for me because it, it, it broke me because I saw her in the same dress that she had been wearing for a long time. I saw something that wasn't right. And I tried to get to the bottom of it. And it was four hours. It turned out to be almost morning before I realized that she really needed to stay with me because she was lost. She had nowhere else to go. I said to her, I said, why don't you go back to the hotel? We'll get it together tomorrow. I said, get some rest. And she says, no, I can't go back there. I can't. She said, I'm afraid what I would do to myself. I don't know what to do. How am I going to make these people understand? And there was something else going on, but I'm looking at her and I'm looking at her feet and I'm looking at these clothing. I'm like, this is not Anna that's always so put together. And and even now, I mean, I can, I can cry thinking about this young lady was out there and I thought that she, maybe she was sleeping on a bench. Maybe someone heard her. You know, I didn't know she had gotten out of jail and she had no place to go because she looked broken. And I'm looking at her. It's like this is, again, someone's child. And they are in this country by themselves. And she was babbling about so many things. She made no sense. That must have felt really scary. Yeah, and it felt scary, but it also it felt like, man, this girl needs to go home. And that's what I said to her. I said, you need to go home and regroup. Be with your family. Come back stronger. And she was like, they're in Africa and they're on somewhere and they're doing some. It was always something. But this was real broken Anna. This wasn't like a fake. Because she had no place else to go. It wasn't the prettiest moment. And every time I go back and I think about getting sick and going back, and then the idea that she calls me from Casablanca and that they're going to arrest her. And like how I talk these people out of not arresting her is only by the grace of God. You know, I used everything. I tried every credit card. Friends, I'm so happy that it didn't work because my friends would hate me right now. My sister, <laughs> my friends, they all gave me, they like, oh, sure. And I was like, she's good for it, I promise. It was my credit card wasn't working. OMG, that was something else. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with dust-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. And now we're back to the interview. So another milestone moment in the article and, of course, in the series is the infamous intervention where you go to lunch with Rachel and under the guise of just having a girl's lunch, Anna shows up and you sort of 
lay down the law and say, you have to fix this problem after she stole Rachel's money. Firstly, tell us what that was like when it really happened and Hmm. walk us through what it was like to see that represented in the series. I was so angry at Anna. I was so pissed what she was doing to Rachel because Rachel was calling me and I was running in the park and Rachel called me and she said that, you know, this is what's going on and Anna is, is a con. So that was the first time that word had been used to describe Anna. Yeah. I mean, she was crying so much. I was like, okay, Rachel, stop for a second. In the meantime, Anna is blowing my phone up and is in my lobby and wants to hang out. And I said, I said, when's the last time you saw? And he said, I can't even reach Anna. I was like, really? Because she's telling me this. And I'm saying, well, she's calling me now. And I said, okay, we're going to put a stop to this. We're going to find out the truth. And I said, meet me. And I was with a, a client of mine. And I said, okay, I said, we're going to corner her. We're going to both face her. And she's got to tell the truth. And that's what right. was in my head. You know, but I didn't realize when I asked Nicole to pick her up that I wasn't thinking that Nicole had her own set of issues that I should have never brought her around. This this is your client. Yes. And I should never have brought her. She said, well, I'm going that way anyway. I'm going to be walking home. So I might as well just, I could just drop her off. By the time I got there, she had already had bought a couple of bottles of rosé and, and, and Anna's <laughs> sitting there just like loving we, it. We see her in the show enjoying her rosé too. Yeah. That was, she was brilliant. <laughs> she got that right. <laughs> so when we got there and we walked in, it was so shocking to me because they were there. This is a little different than what's in the, the series. When we walked in, she was there and she was like, oh, hello. <laughs> oh, Anna was waiting for you in the restaurant. Yes. Okay. Because I had to meet Rachel. And on the way to the restaurant, Rachel's like, I don't know. She's crying. I said, stop it. I said, just stop. I said, you just stop this crying. I said, stand in your power. I said, you can't walk in there and be the victim. I said, you guys, we have to be powerful. We're going to approach. We're going to corner her and say, we want the truth right now. Bitch, we want the truth. So as a unified front, the two of you had to do this together. Yes. Right. Because I finally, I called. I said, what's going on with Rachel's money? She says, I'm going to pay her. What are you talking about? I just spoke to her. I said, oh, I told her I was going to have a check for her. And Rachel's telling me she went to get, I went to pick up a check. She wasn't even there. Well, this didn't happen. And I was like, okay. She doesn't know that Rachel is talking to me because she didn't really know that Rachel even had my number. So Rachel's telling me one thing. Anna's telling me another thing. And I said, okay, we're going to straighten this stuff out. And was part of you just thinking, why am I involved in this? Like, oh, my God, take me away from this chaos. When I finally got there, I was like, what the heck? Because I had my client who was like, she was really she was really behind Anna going like <laughs> and she's mouthing. She's crazy. She's not bad at that. And so I'm looking at Anna and trying to get that. Nicole is behind me acting crazy. And I'm like, and Rachel is whining and crying. And I'm like, oh, shoot, this is a mess that I that I actually created here. So I was like, I wanted everybody just to sit down for a minute and just let's just talk this up. But Anna was not even, she was so doggone fool. She didn't really lose it until one point where she was like, why are you being so dramatic, Rachel? Why are you crying? Why are you doing this? Why are you being like this so dramatic? I'm being dramatic. You always pretend to promote peace, but really you just love a riot. You crave drama. You've left her in a horrible situation. She's about to lose her apartment. She could lose her job. And I couldn't help but say, you stole her money. <laughs> what do you think she's upset about? It was like the idea that she says, what are you so, what are you so dramatic? I just couldn't believe 
what was happening. So you were the one who told her that the building she wanted had been rented. Yes. The, the reason why is because my ex-boyfriend, who was Swedish, and she he said, oh, by the way, that building is is bought by, is, this, is she involved in this? And I was like, what? <laughs> so I showed it to her. Did her tenor change when you shared that with her? No. She was more like, it's fake news. But you can see that she started to get a little bit antsy. And then Nicole said, would you like some more? Wait, wait, want to want to order something? Want some rosé? And she says, yes, I love some. I love some. And she ate. <laughs> so after all that, she still stuck around and ate. She ate when we were in the midst of she, because Nicole was ordering stuff and ordering like things to eat. And like she was, she was eating. To what degree did that whole event signal for you this is the beginning of the end for this person. That was when I knew she was definitely a con. Okay. She was not who she said she was. You know, because all the things she was she was doing to Rachel. She she even said she had a check and then Rachel went there and she said I lost the check. I mean, there were things that I was like, "What?" Right. So I walked away from that saying, "I'm done." I can't do this. My client called me the next day. She was had anger. She was like saying, "What you pull me into?" It was like, oh, <laughs> it wasn't the the Casey moment that I wanted it to be. That's for sure. I was like, oh Jesus! It's like, what did I do? But I now, you know, I I know to set a little bit more boundaries and and not to just because someone is willing to do something for you, like my, not to bring them into something that I don't really know what I'm walking into. I thought it would be like she would say, okay. Because, I mean, I offered to pay her whole way home. I offered to call her parents. I offered to give her money to go to the to Europe to get to the bank and everything. I said, don't worry about the money you owe me. I said, just pay. I said, don't even worry about it. Let's just get Rachel's money. How can we do this fast? How can we do this, Anna? She's like, I told you the money is coming. It's da-da-da-da-da-da. Whatever. I, I, I'm sorry that I do her voice, but it's like I hear it in my head, you know? <laughs> Tell me about your overall emotional response to the show outside of those moments that I know were triggering and difficult to watch. Was there something that stuck out to you as funny, something that surprised oh gosh, you? Yes. What were your favorite scenes? Well, they, <laughs> I mean, for Laverne scenes, <laughs> I think her sexy, her lovemaking scene was absolutely <laughs> astronomically sensational. <laughs> Water. It's my very last bottle. We'll have to ration it if we work up a sweat. Mm. She looked really hot. <laughs> she was hot. I was like, okay, girl, you did me. That was really how I would have done it. No, <laughs> <laughs> that was really great. And um, it was so many great moments. You know what I love? I loved some of the, uh, the banter with Anna Smith in their office and their they're all helping her. Oh, you mean with, with Anna Klumsky's character and her coworkers? Yes, and her coworkers. I loved the, the banter. It was fast moving and it was sassy. And it was just so, it was so New York because that's how I talk, bop, 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 bop. That was a great scene when they were like, and when I said yes, <laughs> that I would do it and they, everybody clapped. Okay. Thank you. She's oh, oh, in. Unnamed, but in. Uh, Somebody get an elevator for them. Uh, uh, <laughs> in my house, I was like, yay! And I was like, oh 
clapping for me. (laughs) (laughs) Were there parts of the story that you didn't know about that shocked you, that took place, that maybe you just weren't even aware had happened? Yeah, a lot of Anna's relationship. I didn't know how deep this love affair was. That was interesting. You know, because I didn't get anything from her like that. I asked her about, you know, I said, well, are you dating? Do you have a boyfriend? Or, you know, are you, you know, do you want to date someone? She says, I don't, ha- I've had it right now with men. He's, I've been hurt and I've had it. So she never really told you about her romantic life. She just said that she was hurt. Someone hurt her. And I said, I can relate. And again, I told her, I said, you cannot let that bring you more bad relationships. That was one and learn from it. And then let it be your radar. Do not let it just drag you down. Because, you know, so women say, I'm never going to let that happen to me again. I'm never going to trust anybody again. I'm never going to, never going to. And they just keep attracting that same thing. So we talked about that a bit. And, um, oh, I, I didn't know about her parents. That moved me because I was like her parent for so long, you know, for those months. And and when I when her mother said that, you know, we give birth to our children, but, you know, we don't control the narrative of who they are. How would they become? That hit me because now I'm looking at Anna and I'm like, wow, this is someone child. This is the parents, <laughs> you know, and this is what they were going through. And then I felt like I was happy that I gave her the time that I did. Oh, wow. OK. You know, because I, I wasn't one to always want to go out. I said, I'm just, just come on a deck and have a we just have a nice glass of rosé and talk. And I'm happy that I spent that time with her. I still think she was worthy of it. Has the series given you a renewed sense of maybe warm feelings for her and that that was time well spent? Yeah, seeing how, how where she came from, it does. It makes me want her to, to make better choices. It makes me want her to win. When she gets out, I want her to win. I want her to win by doing the right thing, but not toting and just letting this bad thing be her calling card. Flip it around. Right. She has an opportunity now to be her own Casey Duke, right? Yeah. To live live through something unpleasant, but how can she turn it into something good? Yeah. Without having to hang on to that unpleasant thing, because success is the best revenge. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> so if you could talk to her today, what would you say to her? I said what I said to her when she came out of jail and she called me to do some video with her reunion or something. And I said, I can't do that. I said, you have a new platform here. Whatever this is going to do for you, make better choices. You know, you're a smart girl. Use your fame to do some really great stuff. You're smart. You know, really enjoy your life. And she could if she really put her mind to it. If she doesn't try to let the ego rule her, if she makes her her ego her friend and say, yes, I did some bad things, but you know, I had some good ideas and good intentions and I would have paid people back and I'm going to do this, this arts club and I'm going to show people that I'm going to, I hope that she will take that direction. Maybe some humility will come with age as well. Let's hope so. Let's hope <laughs> right. so. I, I'm just, I am optimistic. Well, that is your calling card <laughs> and actually a perfect segue to my final question, which is, We got to hear a lot of your great mantras in the show. You're obviously someone who lives everything she preaches. So what is your mantra that is getting you through the days these days? I think my mantra right now is, this is your life, Casey. And it's the very life of lives. And the time you have left, live it to the fullest. Hey, 
We can't end on any better note than that. So I <laughs> want to say thank you so much, Casey, for joining us. This was so fun, so moving. Thank you for being so raw with us. And I think, again, this story continues to take on new shapes, new angles, and you've added even more dimension to it. So thank you so well, much. Well, thank you. And thank you, Chantal, and for, for giving me this opportunity and this platform. And I know my parents are in heaven, and they are absolutely so happy and they love her work and and i'm just blessed to be a part of this and i I hope good things happen to everybody involved and that we all do better i agree thank you so much okay thanks so much see you guys thank you for spending time with us behind the scenes of inventing anna Next week, we'll be back with three very special guests. I'm so excited I'll be talking with legendary theater actors Jeff Perry, Anna DeVere-Smith, and Terry Kinney. That's right, Scriberia is headed your way. Something about this little Greek chorus of old people sent to journalism Siberia. I think Anna took issue with you using the word old just now, by the way. <laughs> I don't like that. I, sorry, I was the only old one, sorry. If you're enjoying this show, subscribe, share with your friends, rate, and leave us a review. All that good stuff. And if you haven't finished binging Shondaland's Inventing Anna on Netflix, please go do that. We don't want to spoil it for you. Inventing Anna, the official podcast, is executive produced by Sandy Bailey, Lauren Homan, Tyler Klang, and Gabrielle Collins. Our producer and editor is Nicholas Harder. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Stacey Wilson-Hunt. Inventing Anna, the official podcast, is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.